And we're off. It is Thursday, October 26th, 2023 AD, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And I should have Dylan Burns on air with me as a guest in the next few minutes here. We're going to talk about the ongoing Ukraine thing. He's an, a Ukraine expert from a liberal perspective, of course. He's been over there making documentaries and stuff. Maybe we'll talk about uh, Dylan Burns. He's been of, on The Fallen State with Jesse Lee Peterson. He was 20, 21 years old when he was on The Fallen State with JLP. I think he's 21, 22 now. Um, he's been on my show a few times. I've been on Hippy Dippy Roundtable in years past. He hasn't been doing the Hippy Dippy Roundtable because he's been working on the Ukraine mess. We'll talk about the Ukraine, the not Ukraine, Israel, well that too, but Israel and, uh, and Palestine mess. It's terrible. It's ridiculous. The, uh, all the drama, humanitarian stuff. <laughs> what is genocide a liberal word? I'm thinking it is. And we may even talk about Trump versus Biden. Does Trump belong in jail? I wonder if, Dylan, if Dylan Burns thinks Trump belongs in jail. So hopefully, we'll, after all that intro, we will have him on the show. <laughs> uh, he is scheduled to be with us in uh, complicated business. We got tech issues. We got all kinds of stuff. Our pets' heads are falling off. Um, and I also want to talk about Mike Johnson. He <laughs> seems lame to me. Seems lame. Mike Johnson. But he has Trump's blessing. He has Trump's okay. So he's okay in my book. He's about par for the course for what you would expect of a Republican. Maybe a little bit worse. Because I have pretty low expectations. But he's the, uh, he is the, this Mike Johnson guy who's the new Speaker of the House, okay? He's a Republican. Lesser known. But, which I like that about him. I like the fact that he's lesser known. But he is the Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett of Supreme Court Justice. No, of uh, Amy Barrett has a black adoptive kid, and she cried and kissed up to Black Lives Matter. And it seems like phony Mike Johnson kissed up to Black Lives Matter mess and fake racism mess, too. Ah, Ugh. Arf. Don't say barf, kids. I shouldn't have even said it. And watch out for those vaxes, too, by the way, guys. Um, the mainstream media even is warning about uh, these vaccines. So, you know, just you know, be wise. Be careful. It's your body. It's, got, it's your body on loan from God. It's your tent. It's your temple. So, anyway, hopefully all that and your calls. You can call in and talk to, to uh, Dylan Burns. Tapface, is Tapface here in the house? <laughs> Tapface Joker, NYC. But anyway, everybody, let's get right on with the show! One, two, three, four. Oh, it's the Hague Report, the Hague Report, la la la. Hey guys! Oh, 
So, how you guys doing? I am fine. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? What are you wearing today? Today. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? What are you wearing today? I am wearing my The Great White Hope t-shirt from the J.C. Lee Peterson Teespring prototype. Now, we don't have a J.C. Lee Peterson Teespring. Uh, you got banned from Teespring. What in the world? <laughs> but I do believe that you can find yours by going to rebuildingtheman.com slash stores and then looking at the uh, J.C. Lee Peterson Society 6 page. And is it there? I do believe it will be there. Um, but, 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 yes, indeed. With a bigger-faced Our Greatest President Twitter profile pic. X profile pic. Nice. So get yours. That's black ink. I see it in black ink. Is it there in white ink? Because this one is in white ink. Lord have mercy. Yeah, it is there in white ink too. Yep. Nice. So right on. Uh, we have a based speaker of the house, says Bill the Butcher. <laughs> Shall we talk about that while we... Uh, Wait for Dylan Burns. I see he's streaming on Twitch. He's my competitor, I guess. Dylan Burns. Streaming on Twitch when he's supposed to be on the Hake Report. But that's okay. You can be streaming. We can be streaming at the same time and on each other's shows. Uh, let me play this clip. 41. Based Mike Johnson. According to Mr. Reynolds 52 on X, Mike Johnson, the new speaker that MSM mainstream media, including MSNBC and CNN, are trying to tell us he's more of a moderate and that he's someone that can get along. Tell me what you think of it about his discussion of women's rights at a hearing. Fanatic, says Mr. Reynolds 52, who is a liberal. He is a liberal, Mr. Reynolds 52, and black, apparently. Looks black. Well, he has a picture of... Uh, Who's that guy who died? South Africa, former uh, president, Rainbow Coalition type of guy. Uh, communist pig guy. Man, Nelson Mandela, father of three. Show the uh, screenshot of the Mike Reynolds before we show this clip. Mike Reynolds on Mike Johnson. Mike Reynolds, father of three. Ooh, former U.S. representative, command officer... Special Forces. You see that in the folder? Yeah, there he is. Honorable Discharge. Ooh, good for you. Rhodes Scholar. Harvard MPA. Master of something. Oxford Bachelors. You know he's black if he's listening to all of those accomplishments. Christian Fryer. Former political prisoner. You guys familiar with this person? I don't know. He's followed by Michael Eric Dyson, far-left extremist. Enjoy Micah, hashtag free Palestine. Palestine flag. Former fallen state guest and JLP guest. Enjoy Micah Christian. Cute little fat gal. Criminal, allegedly. Anyway, here's uh, Mike Johnson on abortion. Check it out. At what point in pregnancy should having an abortion no longer be an option? As a medical doctor, I understand that every pregnancy is unique and different. I also understand that patients need to have access to care, pregnant people, as the pregnancy progresses 
and that may be for various reasons. Okay, let me ask so you, do, do, let me ask you, do you support the right of a woman who is just seconds away from birthing a healthy child to have an abortion? I think that the question that you're asking, asking does not realistically reflect abortion care. In that in scenario, would you, would you support her right to abort that child? I won't entertain theoreticals. It's not a theoretical, ma'am. You're a medical doctor. I am a medical doctor, and that has never happened. Never happened in your practice, ma'am, but it, it happens. How about if a child is halfway out of the birth canal? Is an abortion permissible then? Can you repeat your question? If a child is halfway delivered out of the birth canal, is it permissible have, to have an abortion? Would you support the right for an abortion then? I can't even fathom that ever. And I'm not asking you if you can fathom it. If it occurred, would you support that abortion or not? That's unrestricted I can't abortion, right? That's a question that I can't imagine. I've just like you probably can't imagine what you would do if your daughter was raped. If it hasn't happened, it may be difficult okay. for you. You're to not going to answer, answer this question. Is infanticide okay? I think what we're here to talk about is abortion care. What you're describing is something that is already illegal, and there are laws on the books for that. Crazy, huh? That, show, that tells us more about the black woman who calls herself a doctor than the, uh, than the Mike Johnson who is peppering her and hounding her and harassing the poor gal with questions in this Senate hearing. Or no, House hearing. House Judiciary Committee hearing on a... Uh, and she kept on calling it abortion care. More like abortion doesn't care about the baby or the man, the father. Abortion is so evil, man, says Willie Powell. Yeah, and it's an ugly topic. Some people don't like hearing that topic. So let's move on. So that was Mike Johnson being, you know... Why can't these people answer with a yes or no? It, she did make an interesting point. Since it hasn't happened, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what the, what the situation would be. But she, uh, I think that you would be safe to say, in general, I would not support it. Can't you just say it? I got him, hey, good one, buddy. <laughs> well, when I said abortion doesn't care? Yeah, abortion care. They're just... <laughs> anyway, here's the other clip about Mike Johnson. And uh, this one, uh, I don't think that we're so much on board with Mike Johnson on this one. Check it out. And I've thought often through all these ordeals over the last couple of weeks about the difference in the experiences between my two 14-year-old sons, Michael being a black American and Jack being white, Caucasian. They have different uh, challenges. Uh, my son, Jack, has an easier path. He just does. They're, the interesting thing about both of these kids, Michael and Jack, is they're both handsome, articulate, really talented kids, gifted by God to do lots of things. But the reality is, and no one can tell me otherwise, my son Michael had a harder time than my son Jack is going to have simply because of the color of his skin. And that's a reality. It's an uncomfortable, painful one to acknowledge. But people have to recognize that's a fact. What should we do about that? I think that we need, uh, we really do need systematic change. I think we need transformative solutions. I think we, we're at a moment where we can begin to do more to form that more perfect union, as it says in the first line of the Constitution. What a nutcase, huh? More perfect union. He sounds like that one guy from uh, the Atlantic who was on the debate with Jesse Lee Peterson in, uh, at uh, Politicon several years ago with the evil ACLU and that woman who, who Julissa Arce, I think, Julissa Arce, former illegal alien, still an activist for the illegals. 
a, a purported Christian gal, Democrat. <laughs> Gigi says his wife said it was a freak accident. I'm pretty sure he got that child by way of adoption. Gifted by God. African-American. Hold on. 14-year-old African-American boy. See, I, couldn't, I searched black, and black is, doesn't show up in the Wikipedia article. Early in his married life, he and his w- wife took in a 14-year-old African-American boy and considered him, t- consider him to be part of their family. Oh, his life is just going to be harder just because he's black, because of the color of his skin. How does that make sense? Is that true? Is there any truth to that? And if there's any truth to that, why is that? Is that systematic racism? We need to change stuff on the systematic level? You sound like a lame-o, kiss-up, phony Christian guy, dude. (laughs) First and foremost, he describes himself as a Christian. An evangelical Southern Baptist, my faith informs everything I do. He and his wife, oh, since last year, March of 2022, Johnson, Mike Johnson and his wife, Kelly, have co-hosted a podcast. If I ever co-host a podcast with my wife slap me upside the head (laughs) where they discuss public affairs and other issues from a Christian perspective he seems nice the word of God is of course the ultimate source of all truth so where did you get that in the word of God that the black kid is going to have a harder time just because he's black maybe because you're poisoning his mind with negative expectations and then he's imagining these things and it's uh, sabotage, self-sabotage, self-fulfilling uh, prophecies. Ever heard of it? <laughs> That's probably a liberal word, self-fulfilling prophecies. That's not in the Bible either. But you are condemned by your words. That's in the Bible. So that's uh, Mike Johnson. Well, just a little taste about him. They married in 1999. They're in a covenant marriage, says Sean, per Wikipedia, I think. (laughs) Aw, isn't that cute? Uh, While we're waiting for, we're still waiting for him, right? Okay. While we are, does he know? I think he knows. He sent us something on, uh, on saying that he's uh, out and coming back. Ten minutes? Okay, nice. Okay. While we're waiting, let me get to William in California on the line. William, thanks for calling, man. How you doing? Good morning. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, oh, look here, 005. Uh, this, you done did this a couple of times, man. You've been zoning out a little bit sometimes yeah. when you're talking to these callers and everything. You okay? I am. I, it's just dis- distraction. Yesterday I, yesterday, I was trying to take notes on what happened prior in the show during my talk. It was very rude of me. Uh, no, it's not. To, uh, I was talking to Frederick. <laughs> I don't, oh, okay. No wonder you blanked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No wonder you blanked out. It kind of happens when you, like, you know, you listen to, like, I experienced that a lot with uh, the younger, like, the little cousins in the family, the little, little kids and everything. They'd be talking to you, and you'd be zoning out because, you know, they're little kids, and you don't understand what they're saying, and it makes you get zoned out a little bit. So I can understand. It's not rude. It's just accidental. I already know. I'm just, che- I'm just calling on you to check on you and everything because you're Thank 005. You, I'm 003. You know, i got to <laughs> check on you. I appreciate it. 
Yeah. Good to hear from you, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know what my body, I keep hearing my name about my body. My body is just fine. I can look straight down and look at my shoes. That stomach is flat, brother. <laughs> nice. Ain't fat. Yeah, I, t- I tried to tell the people you said you look just like uh, Joel Friday. It's similar. Yeah. yeah, I'm just older. I'm right. going to have a, <clears throat> check it out. I'm a little bit older, probably a little bit heavier, but his <laughs> his DNA, that was me. That's me. Probably still a lot like it, but a little bit <laughs> heavier than him. He's in great shape, though. Yeah. He's in great shape because I told him one time, I said, the way you're built, man, you're the kind of guy like I was. You know, you're going to hold that for a long time, Joel. Yep. You know, yeah, you can I mean, tell. he stays active. He and stays he eats, active. He I eats do the right same thing. for the most part. Right, yep. right. Um, the IDF um, um, over in the middle, over in Israel, um, got an update. Um, the uh, commander, one of the commanders, uh, Hassan Al Abdullah, he did. Mm. See, Israel has precision strikes, and let me give you guys some information. Okay. That is the best spy circle in the world. Now, Great Britain and the United Mossad, States. you're talking about? Yeah, they got great spies. Yeah. Great spy network. Everything they're hidden, they know that these people are there. That's how good they are. So this guy's dead. A couple of other leaders are dead. They got some precision bombs that hit them, and it's got, they got video. Just, they're trying to get away and everything. And they did. Well, you know what? Hopefully for their sake, for the sake of their PR, because, you know, Mm -hmm. war is partly a PR campaign, especially nowadays. Yeah. They can keep doing precision stuff and just get the bad guys and limit their... uh, Collateral damage. Yeah, the collateral damage of the Palestinian people, because... I don't want, I don't want, I want, I don't mind bad guys getting killed, I guess, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's the, it's the right thing to do, I suppose, and sometimes, a lot of times. Well, you know, that's, the spy network that they have is with that. It's for that reason, to have precision. Yeah. And, um, I don't think Hamas took those measures, they you know, their stuff is unguided, which makes it really dangerous, you know. Yeah. Now, this myth of Israel being apartheid situation and, and, and Palestinians are, are, are getting their land stolen. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That ain't true. They got their butts kicked in 67 and the Israelis gave it back to them. Yeah, and is it true? I wanted to ask Dylan Burns this when he, my uh-huh. guest, when he comes on. Hopefully, he comes mm-hmm. on today. That um, is it true that you may not know this that the water and fuel and electricity that Hamas, not not Hamas, but that Palestine Gaza gets is given for free from Israel. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, because. You know, you got callers talking about they're occupying and stealing land. No, they are not. And that is not a record. I don't know why they're waving this flag. That's not a country. It's not recognized as a country. Well, it is among some people. uh, Those people are stupid, though. I mean, but countries, whole countries. These countries may be stupid, but they're recognized by They're not recognized, man. By several countries, they are. By the, the, well, countries that are, what, against 
Who? Against Israel. But that and isn't who else? Against America. America. <laughs> so you can't take that. You can't don't 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 roll with that. That's not really recognized as an official country. And if you were, why do the Israelis have control of your water? That's wild. That's what I want to ask Dylan when I, when I get me, to him. Believe me, Mexico attacks America. You think they're going to turn our power off? They can't, right. That's, they can't. Yeah, that's, it's an interesting situation. Uh, well, that's wild. not an apartheid situation. That's, that stuff's been going on since 46. And a lot of younger people are beating the drum, not even knowing what they're talking about. Here's yeah. the deal. War is ugly. It sure is, man. And if you don't believe that when you lose a war, what happens after the war, just ask Japan and Germany. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Dil- I you know what? Do you want to talk briefly with my guest, Dylan? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in fine. California? That's fine. I- that's fine. Hey, Dylan, thanks. Dylan Burns, host of Dylan Burns TV, Dylan Burns 1776 on Twitter. Been uh-huh. on my show. I've been on his show. What's nice. up, Dylan? You're, you're live and jumping right in with William from California. I don't know if you're, you've heard him talking about Israel and Hama- Palestine's. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, Dylan. No worries, man. I appreciate it. I know that I know you're in a uh, you're not in a cushy situation necessarily there, in in Ukraine, right? Somewhere. Yeah, I'm still in Ukraine for one more month, then I'm going to head home, be with family for Thanksgiving and Christmas, which I which I think is important. Then I'll be coming back over here early next year. Okay. He's been on the show before, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. Dylan Burns, young man, uh, Democrat activist, and war yeah. correspondent. Oh yeah, yeah. He knows a, he's a war correspondent in Ukraine, and he know, you, he knows yeah, a lot I hope about. Yeah, safe. I hope you're safe over there, man. I mean, yeah. I think I think he's uh, I, trying to be careful. I hope. Yeah. Can he hear us? How you doing, Dylan? I can I can hear you. Yeah. How you doing this morning, man? You know, um, I have a really messed up sleep schedule due to doing my show at late. Mm-hmm. So even though it's a little later for me, it's still early for me. But I'm feeling good. Everything's doing is it okay. It's it's past seven p.m. But I do my show from one a.m. to five a.m. when I'm not yeah. out east filming. So for me, yeah. this is actually quite early. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate well, you getting up thing. early to come on, Hake. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy thing that you're doing, Dylan, because uh, there have been people to cover wars before, like Vietnam. And some of those reporters had to pick up M16s to save their lives. Wow. It's so, war's not pretty. Yep. Yeah, I'm no, sure no, war's not pretty, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, can you put them on the screen? You're trying to get it? Trying, trying to get, get the what? You're trying to get them on screen? Oh, okay. Yeah, we, he's not on screen yet, but anyway. Um, Dylan, while, while I have you with, uh, with William... What do you say about Israel? Are, would you consider them an apartheid state? Are they occupying Palestine? Is it legitimate to consider Palestine a country? What do you say to that stuff? So it was being asked, and I didn't hear much of the back and forth, but I heard some of the conversation about people, about people not recognizing Palestine as a state. 
Um, so. the, the position that uh, that is held about Palestine not being a state is actually considered a radical position internationally. There are not a ton of countries that don't either recognize the Palestinian right to national self-determination or that they either exist or a country yeah. or should exist as a country. I think out of all the UN member states, 138 out of 190, I think it's 192 or three, recognize mm -hmm. Palestine as a country. Palestine has a, yeah. a member, uh, a UN member with a seat uh, that doesn't have a right to vote since they still haven't been able to be unoccupied and they still have much of their affairs uh, dictated by the Israeli mm -hmm. government and the West mm -hmm. Bank and there's still a blockade in the Gaza Strip. But most nation states do recognize either Palestine's right to self-determination or recognize a country or national identity such as Palestine. So they are recognized most uh, by most of the international by community. Some countries. Yeah, I agree. Um, as um, for um, uh, what, what was the uh, uh, other question? Are Sorry, being, I just they, want, I want to respond to that. Are they being occupied unfairly, apartheid by Israel? Uh, occupation, absolutely. I mean, under international law, it is considered occupation. Now, you can, if somebody wants to say that this is all this land belongs to the Jewish people because of the religious roots or you know the thousand something year old history of the land, I don't want to get into like a biblical. Or yeah. argument or an argument about the Torah or the history of the Jewish face. I'm not Jewish. That's I'm yeah. not a Jewish scholar. I can't debate that. But when Neither it comes I'm to not. international right. law, it is recognized that Israeli troops on the West Bank are currently occupying internationally recognized uh, uh, Palestinian territory. And yeah. those soldiers, uh, I think, occupy about 30 to 40 percent of the West Bank. So I, I would right. say that they are, by international law, they are occupied. Well, they are also, um, um, look, they, they, when you got somebody else controlling your infrastructure, and um, as you know, Hamas does not get their weapons like directly, like a country like uh, uh, Israel or Germany, you know, or France. They, 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 there's no arms deals with those people because it's not really recognized. They, they're going to get some arms. Now, let me tell you, you know they're going to get some arms, but where are they getting these arms from? From a terrorist state. A lot of it's from Iran. And that's considered a what? See, Iran? Um, you call I, it a terrorist? Country? I don't know. I don't know how long. You, you know, Dylan, I'm going to say something. I have been not following this stuff since 67 because I was seven. But it took a good 10 to 20 years for me to know how long have you been following this situation over there? Because I'm going to tell you, it took me all the way till I was 30 years old to even understand a smidgen of that situation over there. How long have I been following it? Well, I haven't been following it since 67. I wasn't alive since 67, so that's what uh, I couldn't have been following it as long as you. a long time dealing this. No, 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 no strike against you. I'm, I'm just letting you know, it took me a long time to understand that, because I have friends that are Jewish, and I have friends that are Palestinian, you know? Mm -hmm. It took a long time for me to even understand the dynamics of that. One guy told me, he said, if you don't understand it, take a look at Germany and Japan. We did not allow them to continue to be the emperor of Japan. We, we the, 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 You know, that it's different now. Germany and Japan are open to the West now. We were not going to let them um, 
have another Hitler. Mm -hmm. That wasn't going to happen. The Russians Mm -hmm. came from the Mm -hmm. east. We came from the west. They got the artifacts and the gold and all the jewelry and everything. We got a lot of that, too, because it's over in Fort Knox. But the main thing that America went after were the scientists in World War II. Nice. And Germany was not going to be allowed to rehash what what, what happened in the uh, 1930s. It is interesting, though, because yeah. a few years after 1945, when Hitler, you uh, know, um, you know, took the long staircase down and the war was over and, right. you know, Tojo uh, was put on trial, etc. Uh, yeah. We understood immediately after the fact that eventually a country named Germany and a country named Japan would eventually manage their own affairs to some extent. We recognized that both the German people and the Japanese people had a right to national self-determination. And in 1949, four years after World War II, the West Germans were able to elect a democratically elected government. A few years after that, I think it was in 1953 or 1954, they were able to get a standing army. And they wouldn't be able to reunite their country until the late 80s or 90s, but that was due to Cold War politics. That wasn't due to the... Like the, the people of the world saying we must divide the German people in two. Um, no, same thing when no, it came, it came like to that. Japan. Right and so what I, I what I would say is that the occupation of Palestine has lasted much longer than the occupation of Germany. The occupation of Palestine has m- lasted much longer than the occupation of Japan. And whether or not there was a war in 1967, uh, if there was a war in 1948, eventually, at some point, the world has to recognize, and the United States and Israel primarily, needs to recognize the Palestinians' right to self-determination and the fact that I think that they deserve a state. And if we do deny them a state, I think we're going to create a hot pot, a, a, a pressure cooker of extremism, because if you deny a people uh, their freedom, they usually will take it themselves. But based on their behavior, do you think that they deserve for somebody like Israel to recognize them? Is that such? Um, you mean based on the behavior of the Palestinian people, the behavior yes. of Hamas, the behavior of who specifically? Uh, uh, I beg your pardon? The behavior of, of, of the Palestinian people generally, the, the behavior of Hamas. I know where you're going with Fatah, this because, you know what, Dylan... A lot of people don't realize that uh, Germany, as far as Germany, with the Hitler situation, it's not the German people who were bad. We have to think Mm -hmm. about what Hitler did, okay? He was a dictator and a crook, and basically the SS was a gang. And the... Are we getting... uh, Can you hear me, Dylan? Yep, we can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you, fine. Oh, okay. Um, it wasn't the German people. If you think about what Hitler did, he did it in a really slick way. He took away the, the, every Second Amendment right they had. He first removed the guns from the citizens. That's yeah, well, I mean, they didn't have a Second Amendment right, but no, they, they he did he did say no guns. Yeah. yeah. Anything to defend themselves, they took he, he took all of that away from the German people. That's something that ain't going to happen here in America. 
because that's when you're going to have real trouble. And then somebody will step in like a Joe Biden or Obama and say, I'm, I'm, it's world government now and I'm in charge and I'm going to be in office forever. You know, people think that America is a democracy. America is a republic. That's the difference between us and England. We kick their butts across that river and say, we don't want that over here. We want four, no more than eight, and you're done. Your reaction uh, to that? Go ahead, Dylan. I don't know how much um, firearms would have changed if the people had the right to bear arms in Germany, how much that would have changed World War or uh, Hitler's rise to power control because if the people have guns you still need to convince the people to turn those guns against the government and up until the collapse of Hitler's regime the broad majority of Germans did not oppose the regime to a point where they would be willing to pick up arms in my estimation Um, if there was a period I'd be open to hearing it it would be a lovely thought I think that the groups that would be most willing to would end up being the Jews uh, political dissidents, maybe German communists and groups like that, right. that'd be willing to continue to resist Hitler's regime. Um, but honestly, I don't think it would have been enough. Uh, but we're just we're we're guessing, we're estimating. We have no no clue. History went mm-hmm. a different way, so I don't know for sure. Right. Um, bringing it back to to Palestine, uh, if we recognize that the German people as a people aren't necessarily rotten. And so they deserve to have a state, even though they committed the worst, their nation committed the worst crime against the Jews of they the did. 20th and 21st century. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, even four years after that, four years after the worst crime that had ever happened to the Jewish people for anyone living to remember, uh, Germans were able to have their own state or at least have some some uh, culmination oh, of a state yeah. in West Germany, even if it wasn't united. Four years right. after the fact, Palestinians have been denied a state. For 60, 70, 80 years going on now. And, and so at some point, years of bad no matter how this too. military operation goes in the Gaza Strip, the Palestinians need to get a state or we're going to mm-hmm. end up right mm-hmm. here again mm-hmm. with a with another Hamas attack. Maybe it'll be a Palestinian right. Islamic Jihad attack. And then the conflict will continue to perpetuate. And so, well, I, you, I, again, I, I, I do mm-hmm. believe that Palestinians, yes, deserve to have their own state. I don't William, think they deserve that. William, I have a, I, I have, a, I have to let you go, but I have a super chat that I would be remiss in not reading before I let you go. Mm-hmm. Not the one on Streamlabs says William is annoying and not funny or entertaining. And, and you need Don't to call, you need like to call Saturday that. Night Live if you're looking for entertainment because nice. me and Dylan are talking business here. So <laughs> I appreciate see your way it, out of it. Take care, William. Appreciate you. All right, you. take care. All right. Uh. So, Dylan, I had a question for you, man. Dylan Burns is with me, and he's live on screen now. Nice. Appreciate you coming in, uh, Dylan. Do you... What did you think about... I saw this post from Sarah Silverman. I was perusing your Twitter, Dylan Burns 1776, and... uh, Half of it is just complaints about being demonetized at this point. (laughs) I saw that. Man, I wish you well with that. That's a pain. Demonetized on YouTube. See, it even happens to the liberals, guys. Um, cause Dylan Burns is a liberal, but, um, it was for harassment. They said, yeah, like harassment. T- so don't <laughs> let me harass you while I'm on the platform. Hey, <laughs> right. please check me on that. All right. Of course. But I saw this Sarah Silverman post saying that, um, she apologized because she said that she was stoned, which means high on pot, I guess. But she yes. posted on like IG or something, Instagram that, um, Israel should 
is right to cut off food and water and or fuel and water and electricity from Palestine because they're giving it to them for free and Palestine should have built their own infrastructure, if you will, communist buzzword, I know. But um, what do you... What do you say to that? Is that true that they were giving it for free to Palestine? Israel was? The Gaza Strip? So I think, I think it needs to be, uh, the context needs to be included. Yeah. That Gaza is currently, and has been for quite a while now, under blockade. That means everything that goes into Gaza and everything that goes out of Gaza, as, as if it's not smuggled out either through one of Hamas's tunnels, or they're able to get through the Israeli sea blockade, all of it has to be brought in with the Israelis' government's pr- approval. We're talking food, water, anything that br- that is brought into the Gaza Strip, the Israeli government has to approve. For years? Uh, the water that's been happening for years? in Gaza is uh, this... Uh, I forget the exact amount of years. I think this is since 2006, actually, since oh, wow. uh, Sharon pulled out, I believe. So this has been like this for like 15 years. And so with 15 years of, of an economic blockade, uh, and 15 years of being... Honestly, this is part of it, too, being run by Hamas, which isn't the best, uh, I would say, bureaucrats around town. Uh, The infrastructure in the Gaza Strip is not doing too hot. And so a a few years ago, I forget exactly when it was, um, deals were made for Israel to provide water and food supply into uh, Gaza because they controlled the transition of food, water and all other supplies in the Gaza through the blockade. Now that uh, the war is between now that the war has sparked between Israel and Hamas, Israel has decided to cut off water and food supplies and fuel supplies and electricity supplies that were passing through Israeli territory into the Gaza Strip. And Egypt wasn't allowing that either. And so hmm. the Israeli government threw out the argument that if they want this water and food and all these supplies to return, then Hamas simply has to release the hostages. That was the argument. Um, I saw Mark Lamont Hill on Al Jazeera, which is uh, which is funded by the Qatari government. I should mention that. Yeah. Uh, questioning. I think it was the former like deputy foreign minister for the Israeli government about this issue. And he said he reaffirmed that that was the reason that they wanted them to give up the prisoners and then they would rest- restore the water supply and the fuel supply uh, that could be considered, and the president of the UN, uh, Guterres, recently brought this up to the Israeli uh, ambassador, that could be considered collective punishment, where you are punishing the entirety of the uh, the Palestinian population in the Gaza Strip for the actions of Hamas, Mm -hmm. and saying that if Hamas gives up, and Hamas's actions are paid for, that they, you know, give up the hostages, etc., then we shall continue to fund, uh, well, not fund, but, you know, supply these resources to the Gaza Strip. And I don't really agree with that. I also don't think it necessarily weakens Hamas that much. Hamas has tons of fuel, water, food, and all these supplies built in their tunnel systems to last them for a very long time. And the people who are original, who are first going to start feeling the pain from these things being cut off, it's going to be working class Palestinians, people not affiliated with Hamas, people without connections in the Gaza Strip. And so that that would show that Hamas doesn't care about the people either. Which I guess oh, everybody yeah. already I mean, knows. One hundred percent. I would agree with that. Like, if I was Hamas, I'd give up all the hostages immediately right now. But I'm not Hamas. Man, you know uh, what you just mentioned reminds me, and then I'll get to back to calls because there's I have callers who want to talk to you, at least one anyway uh, at the moment. Uh, you you're in Ukraine right now, 
And I listened, yeah. I listened to this podcast about Ukraine, so I'm an expert now. I'll have you know. <laughs> uh, this guy said that basically he didn't use these words, but Putin is in basically like fighting with a tar baby situation right now, where he, the more he fights, the more stuck he is. And he's really stuck now in a bad situation because he was told that this, this Ukraine offensive would, hand, would last less than a week. It would be over real quick. But now it's gone on, I guess, going on two years or something. And now there's been millions of Russian lives lost and Russians maimed and hurt and uh, family members. And so politically, he has to have something to show for all of this cost of lives and limbs, if you will. Otherwise, he's uh, uh, going to be in major trouble. And the, the outside world has already kind of threatened him with, you know, war crimes and things like that. So he has to either win or, or that's his only choice. <laughs> or at least ha- present something that looks like somewhat of a win. It, have you considered that uh, his position? Is, that, is there truth to that? Well, I, I would first say, I don't know where you got the millions number. The highest estimation that I've seen was from British intelligence, and they said that the total casualty count for the Russian armed forces, it, at its highest point from their estimation, and they had a broad range, was 480,000. Oh, and that okay. would even include the temporarily injured that can return to combat. So the Russians have still lost a lot. That's a lot. They've lost though. more than Ukrainians. I believe that that linked Jack Textera document said that for every one Ukrainian soldier that dies, 2.5 Russian soldiers die. Mm. Uh, the Russians are currently throwing themselves against uh, Avdivka, which is a fortress. And the numbers that I'm, I'm, I'm reading about for the Russian casualties, the footage I'm looking at, is incredible. Uh, they're throwing people in almost like it's a meat grinder. Um, so yeah. I would I would I would just dis- I would just dispute the numbers. But okay. when it comes to Putin's political investment and w- the stakes for him now, he really has kind of put all of his chips in one basket. Um, he's put all of his chips in one basket in a few ways. And the first way, as you mentioned, is politically, where Putin has advertised himself as the person who brought Russia out of chaos. He brought economic, military, and political stability out of the chaos of the 90s after the collapse of the Soviet Union when Russia uh, was humiliated in front of the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if he invades Ukraine under this idea it was going to be a one-week operation and then turns around, comes back and says, actually, it's not a one-week operation. It was a multi-year operation, and we lost, and we had to, we lost Crimea uh, to the Ukrainians. They took back their land. They yeah, it would be politically devastating for him. It could mean the end of his regime. And so there is a lot on the table for him politically. There's also a lot for Russia militarily on the line, I think geopolitically on the line, where a lot of Russia's allies, whether it be or allies, quote unquote, whether it be Kazakhstan or other Central Asian allies or Belarus, they are looking at how this war turns out and how well the Russian military performs to judge whether Russia is a good ally or not. We can see from Armenia's experience that 
Russian and overinvestment into Ukraine and them hyper concentrating on this war is hurting them elsewhere. It's hurting them with their deployments in Africa. It hurt them in Armenia, even though I don't know how invested they are in protecting the Armenians anymore. Mm. Uh, it's hurting them politically in countries like Kazakhstan, which are taking more and more American and Western official diplomatic visit. Because these countries are looking how Russia's performing, seeing how much they've stretched out their forces and thinking if we had a security crisis in our country, if there was some revolt or there was some invasion, some insurgency of some sort, could Russia send 100,000 troops to help us out? Could Russia send in troops like it did last time in the Kazakhstan to put down the rebellion? I don't think these countries have a major confidence in, that, in them to do that. And if they lose the war after overinvesting in the war, that's only going to send that message tenfold. And then you could start to see Russia's alliance structure uh, break down. I don't want to make any predictions but these are the things that are going to be on the minds of Russian military thinkers, Russian, you know, politicians. Now, I also want to add here that whether or not something is politically unacceptable doesn't mean that it still can't become reality. The idea of the Soviet Union invading Afghanistan and losing to a bunch of and I don't mean to be mean by this, but a lot of it was goat. A lot of them was illiterate goat herders and you know farmhands this is something that happened Martin. in the past already yeah this happened in afghanistan this was the mujahideen okay the mujahideen supplied by the united states and most people don't know this china as well china helped them as well uh was able to defeat the soviet union a military alliance much stronger than russia today which included more countries than russia today has contributing to its war effort in ukraine and in 10 years they lost pulled out and then uh, the soviet union collapsed mm. uh, the americans experienced this in afghanistan even though we we're much more powerful in the idea of losing in the country that we invaded to repay the debts of 9-11 that would have been unthinkable one two or even three years into it in fact when obama was elected seven years after 9-11 uh, he was saying that the war in iraq was the bad war but the war in afghanistan that was the good war and so even Crazy. seven years into it, we were we were still like, now nah, we have to win this one. We have to win this one. But the reality of the situation eventually forced us to pull out because the last thing you want to do is keep investing in a, in a sinking ship. And that would be my advice to the, the Russian government, even though they're not listening to me. You're, don't you're, invest in a sinking ship. Don't invest in a sinking ship. Quit while yeah. you're quit while uh, quit while you <laughs> cut your losses. Like, like, hey, do you think another 20 years we would have won in Afghanistan? No, I, I it we, what what is winning? What does that even mean? Like, <laughs> I think we're only That's continuing to lose. Another question you have to ask the Russians too: What is winning? Yeah, in, because they're not going to take over the whole country. Nobody, I don't think anybody's under the delusion that one day Ru the Russians are going to are going to march into Kiev or going to march into Lviv. At least during this war, maybe if the war is frozen and then fifteen years down the line, if people are like ah, oh, we don't want to help Ukraine anymore, you could you could draw out a scenario down the line. But the idea that they're going to be marching on Kiev anytime soon, that's not happening. So what is Russia's definition of victory? Because it keeps changing as their military power continually fails to meet up to their political demands. What I've heard is that they're throwing a thousand guys to the front lines every day and losing 400. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true. I might have made up the, the recent numbers number. I saw from Avdivka. Um, it's like 800 to like 1,000 to 1,200. Um, the, it, their offensive on Evzivka has taken a ton of casualties. It actually doubled the amount of casualties they've been having recently. 
Um, I've shame. seen a lot of like 400 to 500 to 600 a day, but the attack on Avdivka has increased it to like 1,000 to 1,200 a day to 800 a day in that range. You know, you guys are talking, you and William, my prior caller, were talking about World War II, and I heard on that podcast that I mentioned, it was with this guy, Eric Prince, you may have heard of him, of Black, former of Blackwater. He said yeah. that that Russia or the Soviets lost 22 million uh, men fighting in World War II against the Nazis. 22 million. Is that true? Did you hear, have you heard about that? I don't know the exact number, but the m- numbers are massive for the casualties that the Soviet Union took on, or uh, Soviet states, like any, like, you know, Belarus, okay. uh, Ukraine, or Russia. Yeah. Uh, the civilian casualties and the military casualties were massive. A lot of it was due to Soviet mismanagement. Uh, Stalin's purges of the military probably did not help. Uh, a lot of it also was Stalin's uh, own brutality towards his towards his own soldiers and uh, disregard for their lives. But also it was just due to Nazi brutality and viewing the people of the region as subhumans who deserve to be killed and removed from the land so they can bring in German settlers and expand the quote-unquote German Volk. Uh, the Ukrainians actually, I think, were the ones that contributed as a percentage, I think even as a total number, the most military casualties to the struggle against Nazism. I think it was like 4.5 to 5 million as a, as a single uh, country, which is incredible when you think that the population of Ukraine today is 44 million. Yeah, because America lost 400,000 or 600,000 or something like that? 400 to 600,000, something like that, yeah. Wow, that's wild. You know, I have a caller who wants to get back to the Israel-Gaza situation, then we can talk America. I don't know how much time you have for me, uh, Dylan, but I appreciate you coming on here. Um, Happy to be here. Latin A in Cali, as opposed to Latin X, it's Latin A in Cali. You're live with Dylan Burns. Latin A, how are you doing? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Hey, um, Dylan, what's the capital of Ukraine? That's Kiev. I'm sorry, could you say that again? Kiev. Okay. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going on with Palestine or if it's a state or if it's not a state, but it kind of sounds like some group of idiots like in Quifa, uh, who claim to maybe be like a certain religion, went to a little tiny town and set up camp there and declared it their nation, and they blocked off the roads and just took it over. And, like, the U.S. government has no control now over it. Is uh, that, like, so, Chaz and Chop, or is this a new thing, or is this, like, the it, Chaz it, Chop it stuff like, from a few years ago just, in Cali? No, it sounds like this is it, what Palestine sounds like from the way I'm hearing you guys describe it. sounds kind of like a group of people, like, in Quifa went and took over a town and just like set up you can't pronounce it, it like that. This is a family show, Latin A. What the heck? Children what? listen. That's... It's called Antifa. <laughs> uh, well, I, I thought we're not allowed to say it's the real word, so that's why I said it the other way. Oh, no, you can say Antifa. I've never been Uh-oh. censored just for saying Antifa. I've been censored for other things, but not that. That's not All helping. Right. That's that's even worse. <laughs> anyway, I would, I, would, I would say there's Stop a difference it. between um, <laughs> the difference between an anarchist commune 
uh, or Chaz Chop or any of the things that were set up in Cali, those where they took over like that small part of that city or town. I think the main difference would be that, well, there's a bunch of differences, but one big difference would be international recognition. There's no international recognition for Chaz or Chop. There was no, like, no, UN body saying the, the people of Antifa land deserve. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Latin A. Let, let him finish his point. You, no, you can no, respond. No, I don't want him to keep on. No, I want him to be quiet. No, but you, this is not your show. You can't, you can't, woman, you got to be quiet <laughs> and let Dylan finish his okay, point. Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> All right. Fine. Go ahead, Dylan. I would say that... Uh, <laughs> The international community recognizes the Palestinian identity and the right for the Palestinian people to have self-determination. There are multiple international uh, recognized. Uh, there, there's uh, like multiple negotiations that have been done between the Israelis and the Palestinians, recognizing the Palestinians as a negotiating party for their own statehood. A uh, hundred, I think it's 132, 133 member states recognize them as a nation state. Uh, I think that there's much more depth to the Palestinian claim of statehood their cultural identity, their history, and their ties to the land than Chaz Chop anarchists had. And I and I believe that the, yeah, I, I don't think it's the same. I think Definitely she- since the people who are living in the West Bank and living in the Gaza Strip have lived in that part of the world for generations and generations. Uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a little different. Chaz was up in Seattle, which is basically California, but it's West Coast anyway. But, uh, well, it sounds like so, a bunch of thugs no matter what you guys say. You know, they sound like a bunch of idiots, too. But thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Latine. Appreciate it. Take care. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, Dylan, mm-hmm. what do you say about Biden's handling of this situation? Is it my imagination or is the world going under out of control under Biden when it was relatively peaceful, except for that one Syria thing, I guess? Under Trump, our greatest president. You know, I remember, I forget which, I think it was some, like, author who said this, but there was this one thing that someone descri- uh, someone described to me once as the presidency, it really connected with me. World leaders are kind of like uh, people on a raft going down the river. They can't control everything that's going to come in their direction, all the obstacles and rocks and logs that are in the stream as, as, you're, as you go down uh, the river, but they can, with a stick, try to push and maneuver the raft to try to avoid these problems, try to avoid these barriers the best they can and keep the country, the raft, in good shape. Uh, the Russians had interests to invade Ukraine for a very long time. The ideological reasons for the Russian invasion of Ukraine have existed for not just like a decade or two, but hundreds of years. I mean, that Russian imperial theories around Ukraine and its right to belong to Russia have existed for a very long time. The struggle between the Palestinians and the Israelis have existed for like 80 to 100 years now. These aren't like new issues that have just popped up because Biden was in office and he looked very weak. I think these are issues that have been boiling under the surface or have existed on the geopolitical scene for a very long time. And now that the issues have come up again, Biden has to do his best to try to deal with the issues. Just like Donald Trump couldn't have controlled the fact that COVID broke out. It's not like he's in Wuhan, you know, on the ground with like a like some disinfectant, you know, trying to stop any diseases from coming out of there, right? So I think it, the presidency isn't as simple as Biden was in office, an a international crisis started while he was in office, therefore it was Biden's weakness that caused it. I think that's very America-centric thinking. And you don't think that that had anything to do with it, though? You don't think Trump could have had some sway of 
power, influence, call, mutual benefit, let's make a deal type of thing, whereas Biden was kind of sending women over there. Palestine, especially not. Uh, because it was Trump who made the last offer. Well, it was him and Jared Kushner, uh-huh. who was uh, his daughter's husband, who's been appointed yeah. Middle East peace broker for some reason. I, he doesn't have experience. I don't know why he was appointed that. Was he successful in making a few peace deals, though? Um, He was successful in, in helping to facilitate normalization between a few states. I don't know about any peace deals. Okay. But I also think that these were issues, these were negotiations that were going on much before he got in the office. I think the reason he was appointed was because his last name is Trump. Uh, but putting that aside, Donald Trump made the last pitch for Palestinian and Israeli peace, and the pitch didn't work. The Palestinians rejected it outright and wanted to uh, legalize the uh, West Bank settle- settlements, which are illegal under international law. And it wanted to exchange the land that they would take with land in the middle of the desert for the Palestinians that has no industrial capacity, has no anything, just land in the middle of the desert. Obviously, Palestinians did not want to give up their olive fields for sand. (laughs) And so they didn't accept the deal. And I don't think that Trump showed his, you know, special deal making and negotiating abilities during those negotiations because they failed. So I don't know of any skill he showed in the region or with uh, negotiating this crisis that would say to me that he could have convinced Hamas not to carry out this attack or convince the Israeli government uh, not to respond in the way they they are. You know, uh, I just don't see Biden as like a s- serious person and much less so the people that he appoints and and or his administration sends over to do these deals. I heard that before... I guess he sent some woman to some woman who used to be a social worker over to to Putin's people to try to convince them not to invade uh, Ukraine or something like that. Is that true? I don't know exactly who you're referring to. Um, There is a lot of times definitely when communication breaks down or relations are really bad. Sometimes nation states don't want to communicate directly. And that's been a problem uh, definitely during the start of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that there wasn't a lot of direct communication between the United States and Russia. And when there was, Russia the whole time was denying that they were going to invade while also asking for concessions. So it's like, what? I'm not a threat whatsoever. But I mean, this would be a good time to give me concessions on these issues. So it was was difficult to negotiate with them in the first place, because when one side is denying the situation that's about to happen, it's harder to you know have a fair shake but uh there are these things called back channel negotiations where if the government doesn't have a formal line of communication they'll find some third party and they'll then create an informal line of communication um this Mm. is how you'll get people who are maybe not top level diplomats but maybe businessmen or acquaintances with both president joe biden or vladimir putin or some other official that ends up acting as back channel communications um, so I, I could have ended up being a social worker, but I also don't think that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think the Biden administration making sure that there's always some channel communication open with the Russians is good. We're two nuclear armed states. We're uh, on two different sides of an ongoing war. I think it's important for us to stay in active communication. You acknowledge, though, that Biden is quite weak and not respected on the world stage, right? Or do you? What do you mean by weak? Like physically weak? No. Or do you mean like politically? He doesn't. Like, what, he what doesn't do project project actual strength. Like he, as a man, just doesn't seem. He as he plays man. tough, but he doesn't seem tough. He doesn't seem like a man of his word. Truly, he doesn't see. He doesn't strike 
fear or respect into people's hearts. He uh, a man of you think that Trump feels like more of a man of his word? Yeah, definitely. I don't know, man. It feels like he he went back on a lot of either commitments or went out back on a lot of deals. For example, pulling out of the Iran deal did not make us look like America stands by its commitments. It looks like America made a commitment and then within a few years pulled back on that commitment, which embarrassed the European allies and Good. completely tanked the Iran deal. Or we could look at, for example, but that uh, was under Obama. That was like a bad. That was like a bad deal. The Iran nuclear deal. Do you, do you think? Well, whether you think it's a bad deal or not, yeah, it was us pulling out of a commitment we made. But Trump did not? not make that deal, and and the American people didn't want that. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead. I'm, do you think that's how the international community views it? When America makes a deal, and then a few years later, they's like, never mind. Actually, this was stupid. We're pulling back. That's not. That's not how the Iranians view it. That's not how the Europeans view it. That the way the world views that is, oh, American leadership is unstable. They're not able to keep uh, keep course correct. They're not able to stay on one path. Another example of this for for Donald Trump would be Syria, where one second he's saying we're going to pull out of northeastern Syria because the Kurds weren't with us on D-Day. Next week he's <laughs> saying, actually, no, that's a bad idea. Sometimes these decisions are being made in the middle of the night, flip-flopping on it, back and forth, back and forth. I don't think that Trump is considered somebody who sticks by his commitments on the international stage more than Biden. No, I th Trump, Definitely since Trump, Donald Trump is also somebody... Go ahead. Sorry, continue. I was going to no, say no, you, you can go on. Trump from the start was never for that Iran nuclear deal. I think he was talking about it even as a candidate. So he kept his word that he was going to get us out of that bad deal. And he then I don't, I don't know about voters, the Syria he thing. He didn't keep his word, but I thought we were talking about how the international community views Biden. I'm not talking about right. how American voters view Biden. I'm talking about how the international community views Biden versus Trump. Oh, but you're thinking you're thinking about people who don't matter. Like um, the, the, the European community doesn't matter. I thought the question was, we need to impress them with our strength. I our enemies, that was the point. our enemies are the ones who matter. Our enemies are the ones who need to respect us. Like we, Trump had the respect of Putin, of Xi Jinping, of uh, Little Rocket Man, of maybe the Iranians what too. Makes honestly, you think that he had their respect more than Biden. And what makes you also think that this respect necessarily would matter? One just, just. Looking at Trump, you can tell, and as well as I can tell, that Trump is a like a solid man of of respect and honor, whereas Biden is just a wishy washy. I, 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 he seeps with honor. <laughs> whereas Biden is a wishy washy, go with the political winds and pretend to believe in the racism stuff, and that's your whole reason for running for president. It's, it's a joke. Whereas Trump is running for yeah, president just, to save the country. I just don't. I just don't agree with you. I, I think that Trump has been shown to be very wishy-washy. You can tell this. You can certain look at things that don't matter. All, yes. Look at all the people. I think his appointments matter. I think the fact oh, that enough. he went fair through point. Rex Tillerson, to then John Bolton, to then this official, then that official, is that his his foreign policy outlook and the people who was whispering in his ear as somebody with zero experience in the field, as somebody who's never held elected office to hide holding the highest office of the land. All of the Trump people going into his presidency were telling me, look, I understand that you're a little worried about the lack of experience Trump has. Don't worry. He's surrounding himself with many smart people. He then proceeded to fire and fire again nice. and then fire the replacements of those very smart people. It's hard and to so find good help. I don't help. think that. Well, that would still make your administration look very flip floppy if you're, if you're going from position to position to position. Yeah. And who's whispering in Trump's ear and he's going to be taking the advice 
a lot of times with the last person who whispers in his ear, which is right. what a lot of the reports I've read from the Trump administration is a lot. It would be the last person who gets to talk to him is often where the policy that the administration ended up taking. Right. Not to mention many of those people ended up undercutting him yeah. because of the stuff he was recommending in meetings. Yeah. You know what? I, I like that Trump is unpredictable. I agree with you that there were weaknesses with the appointees. Like I said, it's hard to find good help these days and people are not loyal. They're not faithful to uh, the people or to what's right or to their bosses. So it's, it's a real shame. But I can't really blame Trump for that. And I kind of like that unpredictability. It keeps the international people on edge. It forces them to respect him. Yeah. Can I bring up one example when it comes to the Chinese that just perplexed me about Trump? Yeah. Uh, the issue of Taiwan is an issue that I care about. I believe that it is important for, number one, and I think this would probably be maybe more important for your viewers, I think it's, as a, as a country, it's very important for the American economy. Produces 50% of the world's microchips, including 80 to 90% of the more advanced microchips. Our economy, as much as, and the world economy, is largely reliant on Taiwanese microchips. I believe it's the right thing to do. I support Taiwanese democracy. And it has been the, the position since 1979, as passed by Congress, uh, to help Taiwan defend itself. Now, Xi Jinping has had these calls with Donald Trump during his presidency. And Donald Trump cares a lot. And he says this in his books. He says this openly. He cares a lot about personal relationships when it comes to deal making. And so what Xi Jinping would do is he would call Donald Trump and be like, man, I saw that diplomat you sent over to Taiwan. That's not pretty chill. And then Donald Trump would be like, wow, I didn't know about that. That is not chill. He'd hang up, <laughs> go to his official, say, why is this, this diplomat or this official or this this in Taiwan? It's pissing off the Chinese. Take them out of there. And this would keep happening again and again and again until they were sending the lowest level officials to try to get not piss off Trump. And to, in a certain extent, just not piss off the Chinese. And it reached a boiling point in one meeting. And this is reported by the Daily Beast, where he eventually looked at one of his officials and say, I'm sick of effing hearing about Hong Kong and Taiwan. That, to me, sounds like Xi Jinping was playing off of Donald Trump's over-reliance on personal relationships to play him on the issue of Taiwan. I don't know if that interaction, to me, emanates respect or emanates, you know, playing them, if you get what I'm saying. I, I, I get what you're saying. I don't really have a problem with that situation because it, they are kind of a nuisance. It is kind of a nuisance, and you have to work with people. And I don't, I don't know as much about the situation as you do, so I can't really comment too much. But I remember seeing the so-called democracy protests in Hong Kong, and I know that I know, I've known some Taiwanese, and they, they're just as off the deep end liberal and communist and socialist is as anybody i think they're run by a woman right taiwan maybe it's hong kong the taiwan is communist i mean they are run by a woman cyan wen but uh taiwan's roots is an as an anti-communist project it was Fair originally enough, founded by anti-communist nationalists but that's our roots is anti at least supposedly from world war ii or after world war ii we were supposedly anti-communist and then we're become Lamo communists, commie, commie capitalists. I don't think we've become lamo communists. <laughs> I mean, what kind of? I mean, I can still have a. I am a small businessman operating nice. in the United States, right? Yeah, you're a small businessman operating in the United States. The government is not stopping me from, you know, hiring people, firing people, 
or sending them into the mines, you know? But so commie, I don't, but commie, I don't know how, how we're a communist government. Well, I call it commie capitalist because commie capitalist YouTube even demonetized you just now for, for no reason. You're like one of the nicest guys who's fair with everybody. I don't know what that has to do with <laughs> communism. I think that has to do with advertisers possibly not wanting you know their ads next to my controversial videos maybe they it, to them they probably just view it as as not profitable to allow critical political critique in the way that i engage in it if i was to assume that they were doing it maliciously but you well know that this uh that this uh targeting of advertisers and the fact that these advertisers they they're not christian capitalists christian capitalists would never censor you only commie capitalists would do that. Um, I don't know if that's true. I mean, we can remember uh, during the invasion of Iraq, what would the Dixie Chicks, you know, took, came out against the Iraq war. They said it was very bad. So it was yeah. very awful. And then mostly it was the Christian right who said this is terrible. This is awful. How dare you not support the troops? They got started getting yanked off all the radio stations yeah. um, because they didn't want to offend the largely Christian right-wing movement that was against them. So I don't necessarily think that a Christian capitalist couldn't end up censoring somebody. Fair enough. Fair point. You got me there. Um, you know, I don't know. Can you stay until the bottom of the hour? Through the bottom of the hour? Sure. I got I got nothing else to do right now. I'll, I'll stay. I'll, I'll stay for, just for you, Hank. I appreciate it, man. I want to take a quick break, though. Um, I have s some music to play, so if you can, you can take five minutes, man, and, uh, we're gonna get to, uh, Frodus, guys. I wanna play Frodus. It's Frodus Thursday. This is the awesome machine. We'll, I'll be right back for, uh, more with Dylan Burns. I have, uh, we'll get to your calls if you'd like to call in. one 888 The Awesome Machine by Frodus from 2001. The album, We Washed Our Weapons in the Sea. Hang tight, guys.
Just a couple more minutes, guys. You guys like Frodis? I know I do. What a vibe. I kind of like them, hey? See the crab? Why does it keep, why does the guy keep yelling? It's Christian. Well, thank you guys for bearing with me through this beautiful music. Hey, this is a human rights violation. Indeed it is. Well, thank you guys once again. Uh, I have a few super chats to get to. Dylan, are you there? You are. You, can you can you unmute? Uh, Dylan? Yes, now I can hear. Sorry, I had I had uh, I had myself muted. No problem, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for bearing with me through that break. Uh, I have some super chats, man, and some of them may uh, pertain to you. So I want you to be uh, able to chime in. Evil is still sure. real. Says, oh man. Okay, he says, kill their... He says, seems to be that the idea is, kill Hamas soldiers and Palestinian children, grow up and replace them. To win, Israel needs to bomb schools, daycares, and hospitals. In one generation in advance, keep water on and poison it, which I, of course, disavow because that's wrong. FTW, which means forget the world or for the win, I don't know which, uh, triple exclamation mark. Yeah, I don't know the meaning of that evil is still real, but that sounds... Some people stoop to that level, for sure. People get carried away in wars. Yeah, no, that's some evil, evil stuff. Um, I do not think... Well, number one, the Israeli government actually did, at one point, try to poison the water of the Palestinians. That was oh. in 1948. They tried to poison their wells wow. uh, during the Nakba. So that, that, that wouldn't be the first time that this was... They failed. With deadly um, poison? It was a failed operation. Oh, yeah, they were trying to poison wells of in Palestinian villages to basically force the people to leave. Wow. Uh, they ended up forcing them to leave in other methods, but that was attempted. That yeah. was, I think there were some documents leaked on that like a year or two years ago. Um, Ben-Gurion's government. But um, I, I, poisoning water is obviously evil. And if the more you brutalize the Palestinian population, many will go into exile, and then they'll hold uh, 
a grudge against Israel for the entirety of their life, and I don't think it's going to necessarily bring about peace. Yeah. Um, I think that the only way to bring about peace is to find some settlement that everyone can live with. Because if the Palestinians can't live with it, they're going to make themselves be heard. You sound like Pat Buchanan there. You familiar with Pat Buchanan? I am familiar with Pat Buchanan. <laughs> I thought I saw a clip on uh, a guy on the JLP network, American Anchor Baby, I guess, who showed a Pat Buchanan clip talking about how, you know, you do these evil things, bombing of, of people or killing of people, and then the uh, little kid grows up to be an angry Hamas terrorist or whatever you want to call it, a soldier. So, yep. It, it's, it happens. Uh, I mean, if you. If if somebody came to your town and bombed your hospitals and bombed your community centers, killed your family members and pushed you off your land, yeah, that's a pretty radicalizing environment. If I said, you know, Chinese soldiers have come to Hake's town and they destroyed your town and destroyed your local school and occupied it and said, we're going to make this land China and we're going to push out all the local. Yeah, that would be a pretty radicalizing environment. Now, uh, that wouldn't be wise for the people who are observing this situation to say, oh, these people are victims and justify their their overreaction or their violent overreaction against the Israelis. Because you turn... I think you can, you can call out, oppre- uh, like, oppression and occupation, but at no point does any any occupation or any oppression justify mowing down random children, grandmas, or civilians in their homes... It didn't do anything to achieve Palestinian liberation. It didn't do anything to yeah. advance the Palestinian cause. It didn't make the Palestinian cause look good on the international stage. And if anything, it gave uh, the Israeli government political wiggle room to engage in the operation that they're engaging in now. For sure. Um, it's one thing to target military targets, which anyone under occupation, I believe, at least has the right to engage in that type of resistance if they want to, um, if they believe that that's the correct strategy to achieve the liberation. But there is no situation where you can deliberately target civilians, and that's okay, ever, period. Interesting, man. You know, in the Bible, you've read the Bible, I think. In the Bible, God told the Israelites to just demolish certain towns and not even leave women, children, or even animals. And sometimes the Israelites did that, and sometimes they didn't, and they kept... They either felt bad and felt bad for the women and kids, or they uh, were greedy and kept the animals alive and didn't kill them. But there were times where God told them to do, like, just get rid of everything. I, uh, do you have a take on that at all? Um, you know, I... <laughs> I'm, not for, just, I'm, not for, I'm not at all suggesting that Israel do that to Hamas or, or Palestine or anything. I'm just bringing it up because it made me think of it. Go ahead. Well, I would say that, you know, our standards have changed a lot since the Old Testament. And also the Old Testament did have an update. It was the New Testament. And a lot of the rules that the Old Testament goes by, whether it goes to like shellfish and, you know, you can't eat shellfish. You can't do you can't wear clothes of mixed fabric. Um, While a lot of times people call out like, oh, why don't you follow these rules and you follow the other rules is because that there was there was updates to the religion as time went on that changed the standards by which people practice the religion. But I I just want to throw out there that in the modern age, anybody who claims that God told them to go bomb children or go kill civilians, uh, I would call them a crazy person or schizophrenic. Uh, If you're hearing voices telling you to go kill those people, you sound like you deserve to be in a mental institution, not in the military engaging in those types of operations. I'd agree with that in the modern age, of course. 
Um, yeah, and then we, we weren't there, so we can't comment on what was going on back in the Old Testament, really. Um, I just, I really don't like all the people using religion to justify, um, like, Israeli military actions or any time there's, like, a report. For example, oh, yeah, the, a very old Greek Orthodox church in Gaza was recently bombed by the IDF. It was sheltering civilians. It ended up killing, I think, 16 to 18 people. It's an ancient church from, the like, the 12th century. Its foundations were built around a priest that died and I think, like, the year, like, like like 460 or something AD, so like from the 5th century. Tons and tons of history, and it was bombed by the IDF. Mm. God did not say bomb that church. Right. There was no, there was no, like Jesus did not come down <laughs> from the heavens uh, and tell the Jews of Israel to bomb that church. That didn't happen. And so I, what I don't like is seeing a lot of American political commentators, American politicians, and others trying to use their their religion to defend the Israeli state's actions. I don't I don't like that at all. I think it's cheap politics. All right. Let's get to a call before uh before you have to go here, Dylan. Uh Art in Ohio is on the line. Art, you're live with Dylan Burns, Dylan Burns TV, Dylan Burns 1776 on Twitter. What's up, Art? What's up, Hank? Hey. What's up, Hank? And what's up, Dylan Burns? What's up? Hey, so uh, what type of business? I heard you say you, you you got your own business, something like that. Yep, I I have myself and I have two employees, both of them editors, an editor for my second channel, an editor for my main channel. Um, I uh, will make video content that I post on two separate channels that uh, they get paid by due to the revenue from that. And so I am a small business owner in a way. Okay, so and. If you don't mind me asking, what, what's the ethnicity of those, uh, the gender and the ethnicity of those uh, employees that work for you? Without you doxing them. Well, Without doxing well, them, Well, both are men because I'm sexist. Based. Um, and <laughs> one is, uh, uh, one is uh, from uh, the Middle East, and the other, they're, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're Arab, and the other person is uh, Lebanese, actually. So both of them is from uh, overseas. Not Lebanese, Scottish. No, the other person. Sorry, I got confused with somebody else. The other person's white. He's a white American. Okay, one white and uh, one uh, Middle Eastern, and they both males. Well, you said earlier you don't seem to uh, understand how America has communist values. Well, uh, how would you like it if uh, the uh, the rules or the laws that America has right now or what not says that you have to have diversity hires. You got to have some uh, inclusive, act, act, whatever you call it, where it got to be. Uh, you can't just have them two dudes working. You got to have uh, you got to have a white, a black, Asian, a Mexican, uh, a Chinese, a Middle Eastern or U Ukrainian. What I'm saying is. How would how would that work for you if they told you that that's what you had to do? Because it sounds like you it sounds like you got a sexist organization going on by uh, America's communist terms. As of we speaking today, they call me big so, sexist in the <laughs> in the industry. So you said earlier you don't see how communist and socialism uh, is uh, going on in America, but then you sit here and turn around and you and you say uh, say what you just said right there right now when we already know that. By law or whatnot, that ain't you are not allowed to do that. You supposed to have a girl in the dude, and and the more people you hire, the uh, you gotta uh, d diversify the people that you hire. That's communist and socialism right there, and that's going on in America. I don't Correct? know. 
I, of any restrictions that are placed upon my business about who I have to or have not hire. I don't know of any restrictions that say you have to hire these many black people or these many white people. The restrictions that I do know that are based in employment is that you cannot discriminate based in based on who you hire on their race. For example, if if they were able to prove that I was hiring people and I didn't hire somebody because they were black, let's say some audio came out, I was like, I was going to hire him, but he was black. I was going to hire this person, but he was a woman. Not a, that, I believe, is illegal. Um, but See? I don't believe there there's a law dictating that companies much must have this percentage of black people, this percentage of white people, this percentage of that. Um, it's called diversity hires. With those laws, diversity hires and well, inclusive inclusivity. Well, companies companies whatever could hire people to make their companies more inclusive for maybe some standard that some private company or some private NGO wants them to abide by. But as far as I'm aware, the government does not hold any company to the standard of you have to hire these many women, you have to hire these many black people, et cetera. That's a corporate decision. But it's... Okay. Well, I, I'm, I know for a fact, because I don't say it now. I mean, maybe my fact, my fact meter might be broken, but Hazel did plenty of shows on it. Plenty of uh, so vid plenty of videos on this uh, show where not the hate report where that some of these big larger corporations had to hire diversity hires and they had to have a certain amount of females and a certain amount of uh, uh, who made them have group. to do it? Was it their company that that they, there was like some there's some advisor they brought in from like Harvard or something who said it'd be really good if we had more Chinese people in the company or was it Joe Biden or government official? came in and said, you have to do this. Because those are two different things. If Walmart wants to go out and get some person to come out, come to the company and say, it'd be really good if we had more Filipinos in the company. Like, that's, like, I don't, like, that's, they can do that as a private corporation, unless we think that we should restrict the government, the government should stop them from doing that. The only, I'm trying to think of an instance where this is the case. The only thing this case where this might be a uh, fact or this might happen is with government contracts. If the government's handing out a contract to some company, there might be some hiring practices involved or some standards that the government wants that the, these companies would abide by when it comes to hiring and diversity. But that's doing contracts with the government, which no private corporation has to do. Public or public or private or whatnot. I don't see. I don't know if it was Nike. Coca-Cola, it's not been happening, it's been going on, and it ain't just no government jobs, as you as you would allegedly say. It's not been private and public corporations, more than likely, or whatnot. Yeah, I can't who's specifically... making them do that? That's, that's what I think is important. Like, if I went out, and I said, I'm going to start a, a, a competitor to Coca-Cola, and I'm going to hire only, like, the most diverse, diverse thing ever, it's like, there's going to be one person from every country, it's going to be like the United Nations at my Coke competitor, I can do that as a private corporation if I want to, but right? that's but it's a, th but that's different than the government telling me to do it. But we have a we have a we have de facto uh, anti discrimination in the hearts of the people. The people have been have it may not be a law, it may not be um, by force of the government, but just like with the censorship thing, it's not because people have a have a free spirit that they're that they're being censored. It's because people have an oppressive spirit that they're censoring the people. You know, the uh, the corporations have an oppressive spirit, and the uh, and the advertisers have an oppressive spirit. They don't have a free spirit. So, same thing with this fake diversity value. Like we have Katanji Jackson in the uh, in the so-called Supreme Court because of kissing up to uh, the black woman um, hire type of a thing. 
Yeah, and I don't know it, if you. I don't know if you follow my point. <laughs> I and that's I, why she I, got, I don't know that's if why she got hired. Well. Go ahead. That's why she got hired because she was a black stuff. female. That doesn't really. Say again? Connect with me very much. I do know that Joe Biden said, and he said this openly, yeah. that when he had a Supreme Court nominee, he would choose a black woman. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that's something. I, if I was running for president, I would announce this is the race of the person I will be hiring before I hire them and look at all the qualifications. That's not something I would do. But also, that is a far cry from just laws enforcing it. You could say you don't agree with that mentality while also saying that that's not the government forcing people to engage in what like race communism or whatever we were referring to yeah all right i appreciate so, it so, you know i gotta cut it short because i want to respect dylan's time but i appreciate you man quick, go ahead real real quick, last real word quick. i can take a few more questions if you want i'm fine i've got nothing else to do until like six. Oh, okay all right so so, so my thing is this if that is what is with the supreme court and the police force is doing they're doing that because they're able to show that if they're not hiring these females or these other ethnicities, that that is discrimination. If you got a whole white male police force or whatnot, uh, that is going to show evidence that that's discrimination because you don't have no females or no no uh, other ethnicities in that group. So that would in turn make them have to to go hire these other sexes or these other races or whatnot. You saying if if they can prove it, I mean it, it wouldn't take too much to prove if you got a hundred percent all white males running the police force and there ain't no females. So what I'm saying is by them doing that with Katanji Jackson or having these rules or whatnot, that's how you get a lawsuit and that's what enforces and makes these people have to hire hire the eth- the ethnicities and the sexes or whatnot. Yeah, by the, these rules that's the, setting with the uh, go ahead. You made me think about the education field, man. Uh, in the education field, they are propping up uh, women artificially and doing all this, you know, affirmative action benefits women the most more than even the blacks, I think. Maybe not per mm-hmm. capita. But um, they, they, uh, they're like undermining the men and, and killing the spirits of the boys and then artificially propping up the girls and setting them up to make them think that they want to be these... Um, what is that word? Ambitious young women who want a career. And that's yeah. what a setup for misery for everyone. Yep. You follow what I'm and saying, he, Dylan? I, man, I just... <laughs> we I, have a whole I culture that, that... Go ahead, go ahead. I, I do think when it comes to things like policing and public representation where you're going to have officers on the street, I do think it makes sense for officers to be able to relate to the people that they're policing in the community and having black officers in a police force that can, that police as a black community. I don't think that's a bad idea, especially considering the historically bad relationship policing police uh, have had with black people in this country. I think that it would be positive. Now that doesn't mean that you just go around and you hire anybody who's black, but if somebody is qualified for the job, I think it's a good thing to have that type of representation in the but, police force. But they're not I think as that can help them improve their policing. Right, but they're not as qualified for the job oftentimes. Like in Dayton, Ohio right. or if somewhere. If somebody's not qualified for the job, they shouldn't be hired, especially when we're giving somebody a gun and telling them to go police in a community. I know, and the and, but, the, and the white cops are are fairer and more judicious with their use of force than the black and Hispanic cops according to one study that I heard about from uh from Heather MacDonald. What study is that? Uh, it was out of Pennsylvania or Philadelphia. The white cops 
per this study, were less likely to errantly shoot an unarmed black uh, suspect than the black and Hispanic cops. According to how Heather, do you even how do you compare how do you how do you do, collect that data? I don't know. It was was it like a test or was it like um, Heather MacDonald? Did they just look at all the police shooting data or what? Yeah, I don't know. Heather MacDonald uh, reported it from her book, The War on Cops, uh, from several years ago after the first Black Lives Matter insurrection. And so you could, I encourage anybody who who questions that to check that out and double check okay, her I'll, data. I'll, I'll I'll check it out. It's just I don't know how somebody hey. would even test for that. Yeah. Go ahead, Art. Hey, Last hey. word. He, he says something about, something about he don't know how communists is uh, in America. He don't believe the communists or something. Something the uh, guest said yeah. about he don't see how communists is in America because they don't not believe America or Taiwan was a is our communist countries. That was my comment. Well, but the uh, but the young people are okay. Well, I say if they. If they have a whole bunch of regulations, like even with your job, they put regulations where you can only air for only 30 minutes on your, your YouTube channel, That's uh, that would be communist. So a lot of these uh, other companies, like construction companies, which Donald Trump broke through, the yellow tape or whatnot, was basically saying they make you fill out all these paperwork. Ow. Because I think we might have two different definitions. Yeah, what's in short, what's your definition of communism, Art? Well, I don't I, I'm not I'm not gonna uh I'm not gonna uh definitely uh basically I don't have the dictionary in, in right. my phone to where no, I can what would the, you call the, it? The, the, in in short, in your mm-hmm. words. Uh basically taken from the rich and given from the poor. Taken from with so taken with somebody worked hard for and giving it to somebody that didn't work hard for it. I would call it I would call it mama spirit and lies. That's what communism is. Okay, but so the, you would say that the first time we had a social program in the United States would be when we became a communist country. No, I think uh, I think maybe John yeah. John, John Brown might have been a communist. Maybe not sure. I think the Civil War type oh. of stuff was kind of. Certainly, certainly, certainly led on by it the just, I, it, just, it feels like, because I don't believe that communism is when the government does stuff, and the more stuff the government does, the more communisms it is. <laughs> I, I believe communism has to do with who owns the means of production, who, like, worker control of capital, uh, not finance control of capital, and that is just something that does not exist in the United States. Communism is still used as an attack by both the right and sometimes the left, Mm-hmm. In order to attack the other, um, it's, I, I don't. And when I say the left, I mean like Democrats and Republicans. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I don't believe that we would, under any like classical definition of Marxism or communism, be considered a communist country. If the standard is the more social programs, the more communisms, or if you have social programs, you're a communist state. Then this would mean that I think basically the vast majority of UN member states are communist countries. Yes. So, hold up, real quick, Actually, what I'm saying I would ask is... what country with, isn't communist? That would be my question. That's a good question. Go that's ahead, That's a good question. And I don't have an but answer. What I was saying, <laughs> yeah, me neither. What I'm saying, though, with the regulations, you might have a company that already know how to do that, to, to uh, do them, that paperwork, and the government, or so, the government might be in bed with that company or whatnot because they... Uh, they uh, do it for a cheaper price, but the ch- the cheaper price ain't always good work. When you can have somebody that ain't is familiar with the paperwork, 
or whatnot, the yellow tape that they put up or whatnot, and they might charge a little bit more, but they're going to give you better work. But the government won't go with that because they're familiar, and that's why I say that's communist because you're not you're not letting the uh, person with the best do the best job be able to get the work because you're putting up a whole bunch of yellow tape and you're picking and choosing who you want to let do these jobs. That's communist. Or, or red tape. Government. Government. I just stuff. Well, that's I the same difference as taking yeah. from the rich as, and giving to the poor. It. And from the communists that I know, right, because I do know communists um, and I talk to them about what they believe under no com- discussion that I've had with communists that that call themselves communists, that have read Marx, that believe in the theory, that believe capitalism will collapse and the workers shall rise up. None of them say to me that our plan is to increase the regulations until communism comes about. And the more regulations we have, the closer we've gotten to communism. You could say like. Oh, it's government overreach. There's other things you could say to go after these regulations if you don't like them. But I believe saying communist is avoiding, like, I think the real discussion to have, which is what, how do we properly regulate these industries without being too overbearing? All right. All right. I appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. I'll catch you later. We're rolling with Trump. Indeed, we are. Take care, man. Mays, my favorite caller from the sundown town of Dayton, Ohio. Thanks for holding, Mays. You're live with Dylan Burns. Dylan Burns, thanks for holding over, man. Hello, Dylan. Sometimes you have to take the ill and uninformed and help them out, what you have done today, and I'm happy to hear what you did. Because when you talk about Palestine, if they were there first, why don't they have an army and somebody to protect them like the other people that's on their property have? And who's there to protect them? And if they go do all this stuff that they plan on doing, are they going to give those people their land back after they get the people that work with them at one time? Did you or follow her? I didn't, I didn't hear the second question. I heard the first question. What was the second question? They want to bomb up their whole country and just take it and do it the way they want to. Are they going to get get off of it when they finish? Are they going to stay there? Oh, that's actually... Those are actually two really good questions. Now, the first reason as to why the Palestinians don't have an army, um, they... They have competing political forces. The Palestinian people are not united politically. In the West Bank, there's Fatah. That's the ruling party. That's the Palestinian authority there. Well, in Gaza, they have Hamas. They're the ruling authority. Both have ruled since 2006. They haven't had an election in 15 years. I think it was 15, 16, 17 years. The majority of the people in the Gaza Strip today did not vote when uh, when Hamas came to power. And even when the vote did happen, it was a divided vote. Um, but the point is that the Palestinian people are divided, and so they don't have one unified together force. In fact, even in the Gaza Strip, there are two different there are different forces. There's Hamas, there's Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and so there's a bunch of different competing politically uh, 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 Palestinian political factions, many of which have armed wings, which act as the de facto quote unquote military of the Palestinians. There are other nations in the region that also support. The Palestinians, uh, either through diplomacy, through shipping weapons, or support certain organizations uh, in uh, Palestine. I don't think shipping weapons to Hamas is supporting the Palestinians, but you get what I'm saying. They support those armed groups. So I think uh, a big reason why the Palestinians don't have an armed force is because of that division. And it's also because they don't have control of their country. If mm-hmm. if you don't have a control of your waters, you cannot accept weapons being shipped overseas. You cannot ship in tanks. You cannot ship in jets. You cannot ship in the things that you would require for a modern army. That's a big reason why Hamas uh, relies on so many, uh, you know, uh, unguided rockets that are not exactly the best. It's because 
that's all they can really make. That's all they really have available to them. As to the second question, what is Israel going to do after this is all done? And are they going to keep the Gaza Strip? Are they going to leave? Are they going to stay in the Gaza Strip? This is the question that I think is most pertinent going into this war. Because the Israeli government has not made it clear what they intend to do once they take over the Gaza Strip. All they have really expressed is that they're going to go into the Gaza Strip, they're going to take out Hamas, and everything past that is kind of a big question mark. And I remember what Joe Biden said during his speech to not be so hasty after such an after the attack on October 7th to that after 9-11, Americans were very outraged, but we made certain mistakes. And one of the main mistakes I would say that we made is when we went into Afghanistan, we didn't really have a well thought out follow up plan. And Barbara Lee was the only person who voted against the invasion of Afghanistan, not because she didn't think we shouldn't take we shouldn't take out Al Qaeda. Every single elected American politician believed we needed to take out Al Qaeda and kill Osama bin Laden. The reason she voted against it was because she didn't believe we had a plan afterwards. And I think that those words became, you know, kind of prophetic after when we took over and we started to build up the Afghan state. John Bolton, I mean, even going into it, there were still disagreements about what we were going to do afterwards. I, th I think it was John Bolton who believed we should invade Afghanistan, then drop the Constitution and leave. Say, here's the Constitution, figure it out. Um, so I don't know what the Israelis are going to do. I've seen some Israeli think tanks that are aligned with ben Benjamin Netanyahu's government talking about permanently taking over the Gaza Strip and removing it of its population, which I think would be considered ethnic cleansing under international law. I think that's a horrible idea. I think it will perpetuate the conflict more. Um, the best case scenario is that they remove Hamas and then return control in Gaza to civilians through a democratic election, then leave after a successful invasion. If they're going to invade, I think that's the best-case scenario. What path they're going to follow, we still don't know, and the Israeli government has not given many signals. Oh, and also, Dylan, I have one more thing to say. Now, if you got representatives up in Congress, shouldn't they look like the people that put them there, not look just like one group of people, and they got to make laws for everybody, which they don't feel the same way about everybody? Uh, that's not fair, is it? Absolutely. No, why, is, why should they look like the people who, who they're the representing, yesterday. necessarily? Just that's look racist. The look at the Republican Party. They don't have nobody in there representing too many well, people. When, I, when somebody says look like the people, I think a lot of people assume <laughs> when somebody says that they just mean race. I don't they, just mean they, race. They, 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 I mean they income. Pay taxes, I mean background. I mean so some experiences. Of the running around. I want our legislators to be able to relate to the people in their districts. But income, if you're a bum... Or and you become a representative. Well, I don't think everybody, all Americans, are bums, and therefore they elect bum. I know, but there's a there's a significant population of bum Americans, right? Of well, can all, can you tell me the bum district <laughs> that they're going to elect the bum congressman? <laughs> Where's the bum Look at look at all what's his name, the tall guy who now has a mustache. He used to have a beard, a goatee, but. And he was oh, you tall. mean John Fetterman? I like I like Mr. Fetterman. I like him, I but mean, he's I kind agree of a... with most of his politics. He's a very nice man. <laughs> yeah, he's nice, but I don't think he's a capable. The only reason people call him a bum, <laughs> right, or call him that thing, is because of how I he think... dresses. It's not right. because of his behavior outside of that. And they but don't, I don't know think what that being a bum is just about how you dress, <laughs> right? And the other don't, don't know simple. what a communist is unless they've been to a communist country, and that's why they have laws in this country because this country used to mistreat people. They had to make laws in order for people to get paid and get jobs. Not necessarily. People were people... Well, they were making nothing. So now they can make money. And just because you own a business, just because you started at the bottom, that doesn't mean you're taking from the rich and giving to the poor. 
because the poor is the one that made you rich. And you're not giving them anything. They're really? just working, and you're getting richer and richer and richer. Not and necessarily, man. Maze? That's why people are walking off jobs today. That's why they have unions. The rich are why the poor have jobs. Really? In some cases. Like Trump. Yes, Trump Trump is rich, but he, he yeah, made right. a lot of mind. people, he gave a lot of people a, a living mm-hmm. by employing them. It's in their heart. And in the heart of Trump, they don't care about the things that well, the, the, the laws you know, are broken. I would, I would do. point they out there's a lot of corporate subsidies that are given to people who design the laws that he broke. They don't want to talk about the laws he broke because it don't matter to them. Right. Okay. Go ahead, Dylan. There are so many companies, especially when it comes to the pharmaceutical industry, that rely on government subsidies or take large government subsidies to do research, development, or fund their corporations. If the American government is going to be giving American taxpayer dollars to these companies to sponsor the development of these medicines, I believe that these medicines should be given to Americans at either an extremely low price or subsidized in some way to price cap these medicines for working class people to be able to afford the things that they helped fund. And that Thank that's you. the thing that really gets under my skin is it feels like when we talk about, you know, oh, we're doing government handouts and we're and we're just giving away all the taxpayer dollars. This is only ever brought up when we're talking about Medicare, Social Security, food stamp program, the child tax credit, and things that help working class people. This is never brought up when it comes to the large corporations that get government subsidies, whether it's uh, agricultural, Thanks. the agricultural industry, the pharmaceutical industry, whether the, the oil company. and natural gas industry. I, 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 I really believe, I'm not saying that there's never a good reason for the government to subsidize a company. There could be a good reason. But what I am saying is that this thing goes both ways. The government yeah. is not just out here to look out for these corporations, they're out here to look out for the American people and make sure they get a fair share of the economic pie. But I don't think Ameri- the, the American government should be subsidizing any of that for the most part because the subsidizing, subsidizing these in the healthcare industry has only made things more expensive, just as but it dang, has with what, the housing. What do you think? But that's what had I don't think rich. it's the, the subsidization that, that made it more expensive. I yeah. think it's price gouging and the greed yeah. of the industry that has made it more expensive. I don't know how subsidizing any company would make it more expensive. A great example oh, is the agricultural read. industry. Our sponsoring of the agriculture industry has made food products less expensive. Go ahead, Mays. Last point. I'm saying when you talk about subsidizing different things, mm-hmm. those are the people that, that that's getting rich and the people that's doing the work not getting anything. They should be getting a stipend from it. Our tax dollars paying for it, so we should get something out of it just like they do. And not them get rich and then control how they do it. And then people got to pay an arm and leg for it. Huh. So I want you to go with all the companies that's being subsidized, and then you look at it that way, James, and you will see it differently. But not I've a, but I've never been for subsidizing the medical industry. I've I haven't been he, ma- he brought up nothing, the uh, not even the banks. Huh? The, the banks? banks yeah, the banks else. either. But there's a whole lot of uh, over regulation that makes that's it so saying, that small banks. The small banks can't uh, cannot compete or uh, survive because of these onerous uh, you onerous. You know the German and all of that stuff that goes on. No, I'm talking about onerous. Um, regulations and all these things, these hoops that only the big businesses can afford to jump through so the small businesses uh, can't, can't keep up. Can't, they can't afford to do it, so they uh, don't survive, and so there's less competition or innovation. So what do you, what do you think of the CHIPS that means Act, you keep Hank? getting somebody to stay at the top all the time. What's and nobody the CHIPS did, Act? Like, if you want to own a company, you the, can't the own one because you've got these big companies out there. The CHIPS Act was passed by the Biden with a bipartisan like coalition of... phone companies uh, and everybody else. Mace, hold what? on. Hold on. Uh, he asked me about the CHIPS the, Act. 
The CHIPS Act was a piece of legislation that the Biden administration passed with a bipartisan group of Democrats and Republicans to invest uh, some of money. I think it was like 50 to $50 billion, something along those lines, into microchip manufacturing in the United States. So this means American subsidies, government subsidies going into companies to manufacture microchips. The Biden administration did this because they understand that having all of the world's microchip industry concentrated in an island that could be invaded by China is probably not smart for our economy. It's not smart for our national defense because many of these microchips are needed for our weapon systems. It's it's not smart, period. And so the government took uh, American taxpayer dollars to invest into these companies for American national security interests and our economic health. I think that was the right thing to do. Uh, it seems that most, uh, basically every Democrat agreed, and I think the majority of Republicans agreed with this as well. Because, But this is an example of the government, quote-unquote, giving a handout mm-hmm. to these private corporations. But I think that it was necessary for national health. I mean, our national economic and, and security health. That may be the case, but it was, but it was a... Um... They they would have been better off had the government not been in the way in the first place. And I don't trust anything the, de- the Democrats or a bipartisan group do. So I'm leery by definition of, like, how that happened. Not by Can definition. Can I ask you one more question before I leave? Um, but I, I'm f- I guess you get the gist of what I'm saying. Uh, hopefully that answers your question I mean, somewhat. I d- <laughs> Can we really say that it's just like red tape that's holding down the microchip industry? I think our transition into a service economy is a little its broader than that, right? Uh, there's a whole lot of things. If we got rid of minimum wage, if we got rid of um, welfare and unemployment, uh, oh, and we got rid of... Um, there's a yeah. whole lot of things that we could do to free up the economy and businesses to be thriving are, again are we sure that if if these microchip plants decided they were going to pay less money with less benefits and have less safety regulations that would attract more people to come and work at these companies all safety regulations are not actual actually beneficial so some of some of, of the regulation are, a lot of them are that's fine but a lot of it isn't even it's like the government playing helicopter parent mama on on people who already know what to do, you know. But anyway, May, Mays had a last quick point in question because oh yes, that's why we have were... antitrust laws. But then, what do you think about the redlining? So you can't get people to represent you in your in your district that you live in, and they redline like they're doing in Alabama and gerrymandering and all that stuff. What do you think about that? Say that again. What do we think about gerrymandering? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of gerrymandering. I'm from Maryland, and we're one of the special states where uh, the Democrats actually got to practice gerrymandering, and I was against it in Maryland, and I'm against it in Republican states as well. Um, I believe that making sure that everybody's vote counts, making sure that uh, their vote isn't weighted against them because of where they were born, I think that's important. I do, too. So it was nice to start talking, and have a good day. Thank you, Maze. And you also, too. the Supreme Court justice is there. She was qualified for it, for the job that she took. I doubt it. But thank yeah, you, Maze. In your, in your mind, wait, you're thinking wait, about communism. Hey, what do you mean you doubt it? Have a good what, what, uh, what, what legal <laughs> What legal commentary has she given that would disqualify her from the job? Uh, I you, you asked me some you asked me for a legal commentary that she's given that would disqualify yeah. from from the job. I don't know. I don't I don't pay attention to what she, legal commentary she said. But I take one look so at her. How do we know that she's not qualified for the job? I mean, she's why, not like she didn't I go said to I law doubt school it. and didn't. I, I said I doubt yeah. it. I didn't say I know it. But I doubt why it because. Why do you doubt it? 
okay, she's a liberal. I mean, and, okay, w- women being judges, it's like, <sighs> we've already, <laughs> we've or already. The hormones get in the way. It's the, they're, they're liberals. Like, like, ah, I misplaced my gavel and with my lipstick. What do you, what do you mean? She didn't even want to answer what a woman is, which I don't know what I would say to that. I would say like a, a woman is a lady. <laughs> but she she kissed up to that whole mess. Which, is there anything she could have said when asked that that would have satisfied the crowd? Now, it's not a legal. Yeah, question, you can't satisfy the, the crowd. Way. I get you. You but, can't satisfy the crowd. You wouldn't ever. You wouldn't. But she could have said a lady. Crowd. If she if she would have said a woman is a woman. If she would have said that, they would have been like, well, that well, that's not an answer. <laughs> and then they and then they would have been say, see, she can't answer it. If she doesn't answer it, she refused to answer it. Then they're not happy. If she says, well, woman is a complex social, then, oh, oh, that's some liberal nonsense. There's nothing she could have said that would have satisfied the crowd. Because the crowd is divided. kind of separate from the decisions that she's going to be making. I don't really, I don't know know that she's going to determine whether Matt Walsh's documentary about women was good or not in the Supreme Court. The non-binary thing may get to the Supreme Court. It's happened in Japan. What what would the decision be? Are non-binary people real? You know, in Japan, aren't they doing something about uh, you're suppo- you you can't you shouldn't have to be forced to be sterilized to be recognized as the other gender or something like that? Yeah, well, there's a there's so a there's bunch of regulations like that. on it. The, the regulations <laughs> include you cannot have any children under the age of eighteen. You cannot be. You have to be. I believe you have to be unmarried. See this, um, but the point there's is, there's a it bunch gets of regulations on it that just seem absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. It shouldn't even be. And what a mess. I have some super chats, man, uh, that I feel I would be remiss not to read in your presence. Over on, because uh, we got to wrap up here pretty soon here. Um, Being Enlightened Till I Rise says, Loving the shirt, Hank. Thank you, Being Enlightened Till I Rise on Rumble. JC, I have a great White Hope t shirt. It's President Trump from back in the day. It's a JLP Society Six store. Hi, James. I roll emoji. This will not be an everyday thing, me sending a super chat. Please explain what a tar baby situation is. A tar baby situation is when you, like when Putin went into Ukraine, and the more he fought, the more he had to, he got stuck in there. Um, It's a tar baby. Don't fight with the uh, tar baby. Stay away. And why do you always tune out my brother Freddy, Frederica? That's rude. I would say it's rare for you to say appreciate your fans. Not a fan of yours, by the way. I'm going to have to read this one tomorrow, man. It's too long. Oh, he says, Dylan. Dylan, stay safe. Whoever sent that super chat to William today deserves a medal. About William not being entertaining or funny. And then he says, people whom I hate. Okay. Uh, The King of Graduates says, please don't forget to ask Dylan if he feels Trump should be arrested. Do you think Trump should go to prison? Wait, okay, should he be arrested? I think he already was arrested. So right. That's not really- okay. So, I mean... Should he have been should arrested? He go to prison? I mean, I have to look. I have to wait for the case to present all the evidence. I have to look. And I don't know why people are so quick to, like, decide Trump has to go to prison or he doesn't have to go to prison uh, before all the evidence is laid out. I believe that 
he committed crimes when people committed crimes on his behalf, whether it was the illegal accessing of voting machines, whether it was that that call with Brad Raffensperger. I believe he's committed crimes, whether or not he ends up meeting the, the standards necessary to go to prison, especially when and I know that in the eyes of the law, it shouldn't work like this. But we also live in the real world, especially when he's the former president of the United States and the attention that comes with that, I think the odds of him going to prison, actually spending time behind bars, I think is not particularly high. I think the odds of a guilty verdict are much higher than people uh, are are suggesting. All right. It's interesting that people are entertaining this as, as if it's like a real case and not just like a political attack on our greatest president. I mean, it is a real case, right? I mean, if, if I told you, it's if a we found court. evidence, that yeah. if we found out that Joe Biden sent anybody to illegally access voting machines. I would never hear the end of it till the end of time about how this is evidence that the Democrats rigged the vote. <laughs> when people did it on behalf of Donald Trump, all of the concerns about voting security went out the window. And now that violation of law means nothing to all the people who so desperately wanted people to have voter IDs and have all these standards to have people vote. Access but the machines before. One of Trump's guy accessing the voting machines illegally. It's perfectly fine. Before or after the vote? I don't, I don't vote. like that double standard. Was it before or after the vote? But you're in your imagination after about if if it happened with Biden. It was after the vote I mean, or if before? The, if, if, Bi- if Biden, if it was after the vote. But it's yeah, still see, it's after. So that's private, not going to... That's still accessing people's private information. You, should, you shouldn't be able to do that. You can't do that. The voting machines if have I people's it, private I, info? Do you think if I broke in somewhere or I went and I illegally accessed voting data that I, the book wouldn't be thrown at me? As an a- average everyday American, that I wouldn't have some legal penalties for that. There would be there the the country would be divided over you as well, just as they are with Trump. Uh, <laughs> That's true. People would people would come out and they would you know they chant lock me up and they would also be, you know, the rider dyers who would break me out of prison. Indeed, evil is still real. Says I guess your show is a little less not morally straight by having a bearded person on, but maybe not. Uh, was it that? Wait, wait, what did he say? Person? He did not say person. He said the V word for a woman's person. part. But, uh, but, uh, and then he didn't say not morally straight. He said the G word. But, uh, being enlightened till I rise says, hey, great show, man. Good commentary. Great to hear Mr. Burns bring his views to the table, even if he's kind of liberal. Laughing face, sm- sideways, tears coming out emoji. Dylan, man, thanks for coming on. It's been fun having you again. Thank you so much. You have a good one. All right, you too. Guys, this has been the Hake Report. I'll read the rest of your super chats that are not necessarily per- pertinent to today, tomorrow, hopefully. You know, Friday. Enjoy some punk rock, ska, squad 5-0, fight back, and adios, America. Bye. In the wall, the fast boss. It's Christian. We won't do that again. This time we go too far. This time we fight back. We took it on the chest. We won't do that again. This time we go too far.
In the Middle East, or at least in your heart. Bye.